And we are jumping into Brighton with Flavor, as we've been talking about already. Brighton with Flavor, it's part of our year-long, yes, year-long journey through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is where we will be camping out for the entire year. And today we're going to look at Matthew 5. My name is John. For those of you who have not met, it's nice to meet you. I'm John. What's your name? Nobody said their name. It was really weird, Kelly. I was expecting somebody to say, hi, I'm Bob. Matthew 5 is where we're going to be today. I'm going to be jumping around in lots of different places throughout the Bible. So uh, hang with me. We're going to go on a journey today. And we're going to wrestle with what it means for us. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 5.13. What's it mean for us to be the salt of the earth? Or how I'm going to pose the question this day, another way to ask it, is how do we stay salty? In a good way. How do we stay salty? If you, if you know anything about salt, so how do we make sure that our lives genuinely make the lives of those around us better? Because here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5.13. He says, you. Well, who's that? You. Anybody who is a, a disciple of Jesus, someone who, who has said like, hey, Jesus is my Lord and leader. He's talking to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt, you and I, loses its saltiness, then how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. These are strong words from King Jesus, right? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be thrown out. I don't want to be trampled underfoot. So if that's the case, how do I stay salty? This past week, as I was preparing this message, I learned more than I will ever need to know or care to know about salt. I found out, uh, maybe you guys know this stuff, I just didn't. I found out in ancient times, salt was commonly referred to as white gold. Didn't know that. Uh, Roman soldiers, they were paid their salaries in salt. It was such a desired commodity. Wars were fought over salt mines, over salt reservoirs. Uh, I found this out, uh, that during the Civil War, one of the first things that the Union Army would do was to destroy the salt manufacturing plants throughout the southern states because of all the different ways that, that the Confederate Army was using salt to help them during the war. Didn't know that. Maybe you knew this, that did you know that the human body cannot live without salt, sodium? It is needed to transmit nerve impulses, to contract and relax muscle fibers, including those in the heart and blood vessels. Our bodies also use salt to balance fluids in the blood and maintain healthy blood pressure. Salt makes us better. In cooking, which most of us would naturally assume uh, we'd go there with salt. Salt, it, uh, it brings out the flavor of whatever it is that we're preparing, right? It makes whatever we are making better. Salt brings out the best. So, when Jesus says that we, you and I, are the salt of the earth. Not only is he saying that we are meant to make things better, but he's also speaking this truth over your life that we are so valuable to him that we as his children 
that we are God's precious commodity. And maybe you are here for the first time or you're tuning in online for the first time and you don't really feel like that you're a precious commodity or, or, or let alone that you are highly valuable to God because of maybe choices you've made or your past or decisions. Like, I want you to hear this today, that there is nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. Before you had your life together, before you had things figured out, while you were still a mess, while you were still a far way off and away from him, he saw you and said, you're worth dying for. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's also nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Nothing. No power of hell, no scheme of man, nothing can separate us from God's love, period. Now, for those of you that maybe have gone to church for a while or you've, you've been around, maybe you can acknowledge or you've heard that you are the salt of the earth and you're like, okay, great, what's that mean? So what, right? What's, you know, so what? How does this apply to my life 2021? Great. How do we actually brighten and enhance the spheres of influence that we are in? How do we go from where we sit today to being salty Christ followers who genuinely our lives truly bring out the best and not the worst in those around us. Because all of you know somebody who brings out the worst in you. How do we not do that? How, how do we bring out the best in those around us? And I believe for us to stay salty, that we first have to deepen our own seasoning. And you know, like different meals that you prepare, different recipes call for dis different seasonings. Each of us will walk through seasons of life that will require a different level of seasoning. Like you ever hear this phrase, like they are being seasoned as a leader. You ever hear that? You know, like it means a leader is someone who's being prepared, they're being groomed, they're, they're learning and growing, being equipped to be a stronger, more effective leader. If 2020 has taught me anything, it's that all of us hearing this, which means those that are alive, all of us hearing this, we are being seasoned. We are being called into a deeper level of seasoning to prepare us for the good work, for the purpose that God has placed on our lives. And we're all somewhere on that journey of seasoning, somewhere in that journey of preparation. None of us are void of this. We're in a journey of becoming stronger or wiser, more compassionate, less boneheaded, more graceful. Because that's what it looks like to become a more mature follower of Jesus, to be mature in our faith. And we're all somewhere in that maturation process. If we can just quiet the noise in our minds, if we can just tone it down, not thinking about any football games later today, not, not thinking about any of that stuff, if we just quiet everything out and really let God in and say, God, where is that area of my life that you are calling me to go deeper, to graduate to the next level? And maybe for some of you, it's in your relationships, or it's in your faith, or it's in your stewardship, or it's in your trust, in your forgiveness, 
in your generosity, in your peace, in your ability to truly be salty and bring out the best and not the worst, there is somewhere that if we're quiet enough, God will say, this is where I want you to grow, right here. And my hope is that today you're going to see that, that there's somewhere along this journey today, you're going to see where God is saying right here, I need you to focus in right here. We're going to start our journey in Hebrews as we talk about this. This is Hebrews 12, verse 1. Talking to all of us who follow Jesus, it says, Therefore, since we, all of us, are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off everything, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance. Let us persevere. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this. How do we do this, Jesus? Thank you. We do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, not on the press, not on the media, not on the government, not on a political system, not on a president, not on a system of government or a system. We focus our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and protector, perfecter of our faith. He's the only one. Are my eyes focused and fixed on him? That's not even the whole topic. I mean, I could, that's it. Fork, done, right? I could walk, that's a mic drop, right? If we could just do that, fix our eyes. All right, so what did he say? Uh, he, he said if, if we want to grow deeper, if, if we want to, to persevere, to truly grow and deepen our faith, if we want to stay salty, our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus, we all said it. I didn't say it, you said it. Now you're all complicit from here on out, okay? Jesus. God showed it to me this way. That as we grow up in our faith, in life, there are going to be different tables that we're going to sit at throughout life. And each table represents a different season of life where we are going to be seasoned, where we are going to be prepared. And there's things that we're supposed to learn at each of these tables in life. And our journey, it starts at this table. Some of you know this table. Some of you have this table right now. Some of you are wondering if this is going to hold me. I'm sucking in right now, <laughs> trying to lift my weight off. The kitty table, right? Some of you have a kitty table because of the kids in your life that you currently have, season of life you're in. Others, others of you have a kitty table, you know, for you know parties and events, you know, stuff that you have at your house, and then there's a kitty table and then the big people table, you know, all that stuff, right? The kitty table. When it comes to our faith, our relationship with God our level of seasoning, this is the table that most of us spend the majority of our time at. And listen, this is all good. This is a good table. It's a really good table. A lot of great stuff happens at this table. God meets us at this table. He's with us at this table. And so it's all good. This is, though, like elementary school right here. You know, this is like the beginning of our faith journey. 
At this table, we learn a lot about things, but our lesson for today that we learn at the kiddie table today is about a man named Moses. And some of us have heard of that man, and, and he was you know, one of the heroes of the Bible and, and God's big story. And, and Moses led God's people out of Egypt. He, he rescued them from slavery and death, and, and God uses him to take the nation of Israel towards the promised land. And, and in Deuteronomy 8, Moses, he pens these words. He says this about the promised land that, that God is taking his people to. He says, this land that you're going to is a land where food is plentiful, nothing is lacking. It's a land where iron is as common as stone, copper is abundant, resources are, are abundant. And, and, and he says, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the, everybody say for the, for the good land he has given you. And here's the kitty table lesson. At this table, we learn the for the praise, for the level of faith, for the type of prayers. Our relationship with God, our faith, our, our understanding, it typically starts or centers around for the, where our faith is rooted in the provision of God. See, when, when our kids were little, we taught them, uh, you know, a prayer that we could say at, at the dinner table. You know, something elementary, something for toddlers. Many of you have probably heard something like this. And so we taught them this prayer. It was, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for the food. By his hands we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for the daily bread. Amen. For the, in Deuteronomy 8, Moses says, when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord for the good that he has given you. Thank him for the good. And listen, some of us need to do a better job just right here at this table. Thanking God for the good in our lives not taking it for granted. Thanking God for all the good. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the running water. Thank you for the food in my cupboard. Thank you for the people around me that speak life. Thank you for the spouse that makes me better. What is your for the? What would you say? Say it out loud. Thank you for the... Say it louder. Thank you for the, just say it, cascade it. Thank you for the. Thank you for the. We have so many things if we just pass the mic. Thank you for the. Th thank you for the influence that, that you allow me to have. Thank you for the people that speak life. Thank you for the men and women that sacrifice their lives for our safety and freedom. Thank you for the pastors that go to spiritual battle every day for me. Thank you for the good. Thank you for the good. Some of us need to just start right there and, and recalibrate and get better right here at the kitty table. But here's the deal. This is not where our praise, our faith, our maturity is supposed to stay. This is where it begins. Remember, this is the kitty table. And if we never graduate from the kitty table of for the, then here's what happens. Like our praise, like our faith, 
It never grows up. It doesn't graduate to the next level. You know, when all we got is like a praise that says, you know, thank you, God, for the food and thank you, God, for the house, you know, and thank you, God, for the car and thank you for the raise and thank you for the relationship. And, and well, then what happens then when the food runs out, when the car's repossessed, when the house goes into foreclosure? Like, where's our praise then? Because if that's as deep as our faith goes, then that's when we see people losing their minds. Right? When all the stuff happens. It's like, it's okay, you know, because this happens and we see you and it's okay. We love you. We're just a little confused because, you know, I I thought your faith and your foundation was a little deeper by that, you know, by now. I thought it was a little stronger by now. I I thought you were going to church like every weekend. Oh, oh, it was just a Sunday thing. Oh, it wasn't really a priority. Oh, you were just putting on a good front. Oh, it, it, it wasn't really a living out. Your faith every, oh, that's why your world is upside down right now. That's why the sky is falling because they left you, because you didn't get the job you wanted, or or because things aren't going your way. You know, you're a hot mess because that's as deep as your faith was. And here's why, because our focus was all out out there, looking around at all the stuff and, and people and circumstances, and our focus was on the stuff and not the creator of the stuff. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. And see, when our focus is wrong, when we feel off, when the perspective is off, it's an indicator that it's time to grow up. It's time to move and graduate from the kiddie table of our faith. It's time to change where we look for fulfillment. It's time to advance. To this table. Oh, this is a nice table. My, my, Isabel was like, why is our table on stage? <laughs> Daddy's using the table, honey. This is, this is the next level up. This is the big boy table, right? This is the table that everybody wants to sit at. But not everybody wants to to put in the work to get here, to discipline yourself, to to handle what it takes to sit here. At this table, we we learn a lesson about a man named David. Some of you you may have heard of him. Uh, David was a little shepherd boy. He killed Goliath, and, and, and David became king, one of the greatest kings throughout the entire nation of Israel. And he wrote, you know, in the Bible, if you open your Bible and it kind of flops open in the center, that's Psalms. (laughs) He wrote Psalms. And in Psalms 23, we find our next lesson for our journey today. You may have heard it before. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh man, I lack nothing. (sighs) The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. That feels good. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though, everybody say, even though. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup 
It overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the big boy table. This is the table where our eyes are fixed solely on Jesus no matter what is going on around us. This is where we learn even though where our faith is rooted in God's presence, not just his provision. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I don't know how I'm going to pay that next bill, even though they left me, even though things didn't work out, even though I'm still at this dead-end job, even though my hair won't grow back, even though... Even though this life continues to throw everything it has at me, I know you're with me. I know that you're with me. I know that your goodness and mercy, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to overflow. It's going to overwhelm me despite my current situation. That this right here, this is where we graduate to an even though, to a it is well type of faith. You remember that old hymn, it is well? Sing this with me. I'll say it, then you say it. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. You guys sound pretty. You guys do. I don't. I'm all raspy. You guys sound so pretty. It's this beautiful song, right? We go to that song sometimes in, in times of sorrow or struggle. It's beautiful. It's calming, soothing to the soul. What some of you may not know is the origin of this song. This song was written by Horatio Spafford, a lawyer from Chicago. He and his wife, Anna, were well known in their faith and their commitment to the church and their community. And in 1870, tragedy struck their family. Horatio's son was killed by scarlet fever at the age of four. A year later, the family uh, lost all of their financial investments because of the great Chicago fire. A year after that, Horatio sent his family on a vacation to England, and because of work, he couldn't go along with them. He had to stay behind, and while his wife and four daughters were crossing the Atlantic, their ship collided into another vessel, and it sank to the bottom of the ocean, claiming the lives of 226 people, including the lives of his four daughters. Horatio received a telegram from his wife that simply said, saved alone. In a matter of three years, he lost his son, all of his investments, and now his four daughters. Upon hearing the news, Horatio, he boarded the first ship to join his bereaved wife. And during the voyage, while passing over the same place, that his family's ship had gotten down. Horatio looked over the side. He looked down at the ocean. And he said a prayer. And he went below deck. And then he penned the lyrics to the hymn, It Is Well. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, 
It is well. It is well with my soul. That's the big boy table. That's the even though level of faith. This table is good. It's good. It's good. Lots of good stuff. But that's the remedial table. This is the big boy table that gets you through the darkest hour. The dark nights of the soul. Even though even though my heart is breaking, even though when, when all hell is breaking loose, even though I can't see a way out, it is well. See, this is the table where we, we learn to thank God for what you can see. This is the table where you learn to trust God for what you cannot see. Which table do you want to sit at? Which table will be an anchor for your soul? Because are, are we only going to thank him, you know, for the stuff and things, you know? Or, or think of it this way, you know, some of you, you're, you're in this season of life, like, are you only going to thank him when you get the fiancé? Or are you going to thank him even though you're single? Are you going to thank him even though that you're walking through hell right now? And some of you, I know that you're there, that you're walking through hell. Even though, even though you just lost your spouse, I'm going to choose to lift my hands and praise you because you're all I got. You're the only thing that's getting me through. When all of this doesn't make sense, I'm going to praise you. Even though. That's the big boy table. Do you want to be a big boy or do you want to be a baby? Let's just call it right out. You want to be a big boy? Great. You got to learn here how to feed yourself. Let's just call it out. You can't be over here. I want to be a big boy, but pastor, you better cut up my meat for me and teach me still how to feed myself. You learn to feed yourself over here, even though. Over here, we learn to appreciate the seasoning of life. Can we fix our eyes on Jesus even though? Now, there comes a time where you elevate to the next level. Some of you are like, there's another level. <laughs> it's like the next level in Jumanji. <laughs> where you're invited, actually, to the next level, and the next level actually isn't a table, it's you're invited into the kitchen. You're invited into the place to see how the sausage is made, where you get to meet the chef. In the kitchen, we're going to meet this guy named Paul. And Paul, you know, if you're not familiar, Paul is this dude in the Bible. He's like the best of the best, all right? He's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. He's the goat. Like the majority of the New Testament was written by Paul. And in one of his books, the book of Philippians, you know, he's writing this letter while he's locked up in prison in Rome. 
And he's like still, even though he's locked up, he's serving it up, right? He's serving it up while he's locked up. He's serving it up in prison. He's got this, like, these people all around him, though, that are just trying to stir up trouble for him. You know some of those people? Oh, don't give me that churchy response. Ooh, Lord have mercy. We all got some of those people trying to stir up some stuff in our lives. And I love this. This is Philippians 1.15. This is Paul. He says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm here in prison for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up some trouble for me while I'm in chains. So many of us are in chains right now. I love this. But what does it matter? There's so much freedom when you know who you are and whose you are. He says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, that Christ is preached. And because of, everybody say because of. Because of all this. Remember where he's at. Chains, prison, ridicule, stirred up, gossip, slander. Because of all this, I rejoice. <laughs> How do you get to that? See, we're in the kitchen now. It's a whole different level. We're hanging out with the chef. This is where we learn because of. We learn to praise God because of the purpose that is found in what we're going through. I don't praise him for the pain. I praise him because of the increase of purpose that the pain provides. Because of what he's doing in me through the pain, through the storm, there is purpose in the pain because I know that he's going to work out all things for the good of those that love him, for who have been called according to his purpose. He's cooking, y'all. Don't mess with the chef when they're cooking, all right? Just stand there. Watch. Be happy I invited you in. Spoiled brats. Right? <laughs> he wouldn't say that I would. Right? He's a good dad in the kitchen cooking. And he's making something good and he doesn't make mistakes. He makes masterpieces out of you and me. Listen, I don't care what your home life was growing up. I don't care what your mommy and daddy said. I don't care what this horrible boss said or a horrible boyfriend or girlfriend. He does not make mistakes. He doesn't make garbage. He makes masterpieces. And he's making that. He's stirring that up in you. You got to know that. He's cooking something good. And yeah, he's mixing it up. All right, like anything good. You got to stir it up real good. Both ways fold it then do it again and sometimes that hurts sometimes it doesn't make sense sometimes we love it sometimes you know he's got to put in some ingredients right and some of the ingredients we love put in some brown sugar jesus Ooh, put as much brown sugar as you want i love me some brown sugar all right something like yeah Ooh, put in some of that pink himalayan sea salt make me salty jesus yeah i don't want to lose my saltiness jesus right you love that Sometimes we love the ingredients that he puts in while he's making us, right? But there's other things, there's other ingredients that we're like, I don't know if I like that, Jesus. Why are you putting that in my life, Jesus? I don't like turmeric, Jesus. Why turmeric, Jesus? That tastes nasty, Jesus. And he's like, shut up. Get out of the kitchen. You want to be a big boy or you want to be a baby? 
foot turmeric tastes nasty, Jesus. Get back there. I'm cooking. I'm using turmeric. It helps with digestion and liver function. You don't know. Yeah, but it tastes nasty, Jesus. I don't like that, Jesus. Listen, don't you know that the stuff that we don't like is most often the stuff that will grow us the most? But it tastes yucky, Jesus. You want to be a big boy or a baby? Some of you get this. We have to learn to trust the cook. We're not the cook. Now listen, some of you, you get this because you, you have some friends in your life, right, that like when they're cooking, you know it's going to be good, right? You know it's going to be good, right? Some of you know this, right? Some of you have had a meal made by my wife, Kelly. And hopefully in time, all of you will be able to have a meal by my wife, Kelly. We just need a bigger kitchen and a bigger table. That's fine. But in time, all of you will, all right? So, so listen, my wife, Kelly, is savage in the kitchen, okay? She is a beast. But let me be clear, she is a beast everywhere. She is savage. She is a savage leader. And she is the strongest leader in this room. Test me in this. I dare you. And I'm not saying this because I'm her husband because I have to. No, I'm saying that because I know what she has gone through because of what God has done in her, because of what Kelly has been through in life, because of what he has stirred up in her, because of who she has become, because of the seasons of loss and the seasons of rejection and the seasons of pain and the seasons of sacrifice and despair and the seasons of scarcity and the seasons of I don't know what's next, because of all that God has stirred in her, she is a leader worthy of following you can trust who she is because of what God has done in her she's also savage in the kitchen she is some of you know this some of you who have eaten at the table of Kelly you know and if you know you know See, some of our friends will ask them, like, hey, you want to come over for dinner? They won't ask what time. They won't ask what are we having. They'll just simply ask, is Kelly cooking? Because they know. They trust the cook. Do you trust the cook? You got to trust the cook. Regardless of the ingredients, some of us get so wrapped up, right? We get so wrapped up in, in all the questions and the why is this happening and, and, and how is it going to turn out and, and why me and why turmeric? Like, do, do you want peace? Really? Do you want a firm foundation no matter what? Do, do, you, do you want purpose and focus regardless of what the world throws at you? Trust the cook. 
Because he's making something good. I know 2020 has been hard. I know it has hurt in so many different places. I know that it doesn't make sense. I know that for so many, your heart is so heavy. And I know it just feels like that one more thing is going to be the thing that breaks you. And God is saying, just trust me. I'm working something out in you. I'm working it out. I know it hurts right now. i got to stir this one more time. I know, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to let you go. Just trust me. Will you trust me? Even though it hurts. I'm going to praise you for the seasoning you're giving me right now. Even though, because of. Where do you find yourself today? We're, we're all somewhere. What table? Where, where, where are you at? Are you at the table of provision for the? The table of presence even though? Are you in the kitchen of purpose because of? Where do you see yourself in this journey? We're all somewhere on it. This week, here's, I know this has been a challenging message, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to push one more click. This week, I, I want you to, this is a discipline. I, I want you to choose a day this week, and I just want you to, to choose a day to fast, to take something out to make more room for God. A lot of times that's food. Will you choose to fast? I love that in God's word it says, when you fast, not if you fast. Like it's a something we sh should be doing. I, I, I just want to challenge you one day this week, fast. And in the midst of those hunger pains, I just want you to ask God, God reveal to me one thing that, that can help me move from where I am in this journey from one table to the next, what's one thing to help you grow? You gotta, you gotta remove some things to make more room to hear from him. Here's the deal, every time that we move from one table to the next, we are seasoned for a greater level of impact for the kingdom. Friends, he's inviting all of us into this journey. He's inviting you to the table. Will you accept that invitation? I want all of us, all of us, this week to stay salty. Stay salty, my friends. Stay salty. family depends on it. Our marriages depend on it. Our kids depend on it. Father, I ask that, that you will just explore our hearts as we dive into this deeper level with you. Father, I know it hurts sometimes as you're working things out in us. And so I trust you, though, as the great physician. I trust you. You're a good father. You're the best doctor there is. Be gentle 
with our souls. Be gentle with our hearts. As you stir, as you mix it up, be gentle with us, Father. Surround us with life givers that will care for us in those seasons. Father, I'm asking that, that you will, will do the good work that I know you want to do in us. It's us. It's us. It's just little babies that don't like discipline. Help us to surrender. To learn to just trust you. Knowing that you're with us. So, Father, search our hearts. Don't let us leave this place without an examination of where we are and an invitation to let you in. It's in your name that all God's people say, amen.